You're tuning in to the Podcast for Hopes, the Huntington's Outreach Project for Education at Stanford. This is Kat Ferguson. Today on the Hopes Podcast, we're talking advocacy. What does it mean to be an advocate? How can an ordinary person contribute their time and energy to a cause like HD advocacy while making sure that the interests of patients and their families are put first? We'll get to hear from two steadfast advocates for the HD community, both of whom do not have HD in their family, but have lent listening ears and capable hands to the cause. My name is Max Moon. I am the volunteer director of advocacy for the Northern California Huntington's Disease Chapter. I'm Cole Holderman. I'm the former director of HOPES, and currently I am the secretary of the HGSA Bay Area affiliate in San Francisco, and I'm on the board of directors for the HGSA Northern California Chapter. I asked Max and Cole to define advocacy for me. Advocacy to me is uh, being a soundboard and and really spreading the Huntington's disease message throughout our community and other communities that don't know about it. Advocacy is trying to change the laws, rules, norms of our society for someone else or for a group that you represent. So when I think about advocacy, I don't just think about processes that are changing political institutions and changing our laws, but I also think about things that raise you know, general awareness, things that change how people in society react to something. Uh, those can be uh, that broader form of advocacy as well. Max and Cole came into the HD community in similar ways. Neither had HD in their families, but both had been affected by the long-term health difficulties of a loved one, and they felt an affinity for families battling with HD. Having a mother who's disabled, it's, it's unfortunate to have witnessed her downfall and knowing that there's people out there that are that have something that they don't have control of is was so compelling that I gravitated towards it because you know these people don't have a choice you know my mom doesn't listen to the doctors that try and help her being able to help somebody that wants to be helped is gratifying and so you know taking my energy and putting it towards that has been an opportunity for me to, um, you know, inside myself, um, find strength too. I got involved with hopes because I have an innate passion for patient advocacy and that patient advocacy um, drive comes from my personal experience with my brother who was not a neurological uh, patient, but was actually a cancer patient at a very young age. Um, he was diagnosed with osteosarcoma, which is a one in a million bone cancer at uh, the age of 14. 
and he ended up passing away while I was at Stanford at 17. Um, and during that whole time, it was so difficult to get doctors to talk to us about what was actually going on with him. With pediatric cancer patients, you know, doctors really don't want to tell you when a child is going to die. They, they want to give hope, they want to project calm, but what that ended up meaning in my case was, for example, I, I didn't get to see my brother uh, before he, he passed away. He passed away while I was at college because it, we, we couldn't have that conversation. And it was more than just that. It was a lot of issues with frank discussions about the care where we have this in medicine paternalistic model of the doctor knows best and will guide the ship. And that's fine. Doctors go to school for a very long time and they know what they're doing. But families need to be part of the entire process of care. And in order to make that happen, we have to demystify medicine to the level at which patients, families can get involved in not just treatment, but how the medical community is making these decisions. And so when I saw hopes, I saw an opportunity to put that into practice for another really rare disease that had a similar problem, especially before the HGSA was really active. Neurologists knew very, very little about HD, and patients and families that actually had some knowledge about the disease had a huge communication barrier in getting some of that knowledge to the neurologists that they were working with. And so the HDSA's role really was to, um, it, it, at least one of its roles, bridge that gap between patients and families and the medical institution. And then uh, HOPES is kind of a new wave of that in trying to get patients and families uh, better access to information about HD so they can come in on a more even footing with their neurologists, their care teams, so on and so forth. Cole is studying to be a doctor himself, so I asked him how his experience with his brother impacted his outlook on entering medicine. I think actually as a, as a future doctor, I take a very similar stance on my outlook of practice as I do as someone who works in a volunteer organization where I'm not affected by the disorder. And this is the perspective. When you are serving somebody, you are serving their interests. And just because you know more than them about some specific topic does not mean that you are driving that ship. And so I've seen too many doctors think there is one way to health and I'm gonna drive the patient there. What we really need is doctors who say, I am here to present the options to you and guide you to make a decision I think aligns best with your objectives, your goals. And that is what I try to do when I'm doing volunteer work as well. Too many people go into volunteer organizations with their own agenda and their own rules and goals in mind, and they lose sight of the people that that organization is supposed to represent. This is especially true in HD, where a lot of people with late-stage Huntington's disease can't actually function in volunteer positions because they have, uh, in some cases, cognitive deficits, or uh, it's simply too hard for them to get to the meetings. Um, so in these cases, it's really incredibly important that people who don't have that direct connection step aside when there are decisions that need to be made that uh, you know they might influence uh, with their own biases, preconceptions, uh, stuff like that. When people without connection should step in is when they can do something for the people who have the vision that is useful. So for example, I, I'm the secretary of the affiliate board, 
not because I have a huge role in steering what the affiliate focuses its time on, but because minutes are something that people don't like doing, and if I can do minutes, that means that's one less thing that people with the vision have to do. So I, I see, I guess, my work with these organizations is support. And as a doctor, that is also how I see my role, is, is as a support. Max and Cole have been involved with HD Advocacy for years. I asked them to share a project with our Hopes listeners that could illustrate how their HD Advocacy takes shape in their day-to-day. The Parity Act is, as an organization, um, our largest target right now. According to the website for the Huntington's Disease Society of America, or the HDSA, the Parity Act will waive the two-year Medicare waiting period, as well as waive the five-month benefit waiting period for individuals with Huntington's disease accessing Social Security Disability Insurance, or SSDI. When you're diagnosed with Huntington's disease, um, you have to wait a long time, two years, when you're out of work and draining families uh, who, especially nowadays, a lot of families lack thereof um, funds um, is, is detrimental and drives a lot of people to, to a lot of heartache and bankruptcy. Similar benefits have been available to patients with ALS and Parkinson's, other rare neurological diseases. We're asking for parity. Parity is equality. There's other different genetic disorders that have these types of benefits. And so we're asking for parity. We're asking for equality um, to be considered the same as ALS uh, or Parkinson's. In order to get um, a, a Parity Act passed, you need to have a little over half of the Congress and Senate's authority and co-sponsorship. So basically what happens is we have started a grassroots movement to get to these congressmen and senators. And what we do is we explain to them the, the pros and, and how it's going to benefit. And uh, we've gotten enough co-sponsorship in the past, but it hasn't actually made it to the floor to be voted on. Max and the HDSA have continued to work towards getting enough support for the Parity Act in Congress for it to pass. I really loved working with the support group um, at Palo Alto for uh, HDSA. Um, the support group is still small and was pretty small when I was going there. It's, it's only, you know, eight to ten people. And Hopes usually sent about, uh, sent one person there. And I felt very, very awkward about going to the support group. I felt like uh, we might be intruding, that it, it made me make the things that people shared less personal. It may make it less of a safe space if there was this reporter person there. And actually, at first, I'll have to be honest, that that was really what the vibe was. I, I was very, very concerned that we were having a damaging impact on the support group meetings. And so I tried really hard to make sure I had a carved out role in the group because I figured if I had a role, they would know what I was there for. And then, you know, they wouldn't feel like I was I had some ulterior motive or was doing something else or was writing about them. Right. And so I really firmly established with them that we were at those support group meetings to get ideas for topics that they were concerned about. And that was a great relationship because they were able to 
directly tell me when they thought something was lacking in information. And that was a good, because we were able to provide a service reciprocally and I could point them to the articles that we would then write based on their concerns. But what was also really cool, since they knew I was running at the time hopes, they knew that if they had a question, I would probably go get it answered for them or even have the information at the time because I'm attending all these HD conferences. And so I kind of became the unofficial information source for some things in the group. And that was another way in which I could be useful. And once you're part of the community in that way, you've been to a couple meetings, you're serving a purpose, uh, then you feel a part of the group. And later on, when I got way more comfortable with the support group, I found I actually shared a lot in common with people who were going there. We were dealing, most of the people at the group did not have HD. They were people whose family members had HD and were dealing with loss. They were dealing with problems with, uh, you know, doctors and communication barriers with them. They were dealing with the aftermath of a family member dying after a very long medical battle, which I can relate to. There's an aimlessness that comes after that, a, a what now. Um, so that experience, once I got really close to that group and once we were working together, um, it really was healing. It was it was restorative to have gone through this experience in which I felt so isolated in a medical context to one in which I was being invited into somebody else's medical context and I was helping and they were helping me. I mean, that really was the best way to say is it was it was restorative. It was reparative. It was healing. I had actually I had a professor at Stanford. And he said this in the context of going overseas uh, to a country for a seminar. Uh, people had asked him why it wasn't going to be a service trip. And he said, true service can't be done in three weeks or even three months. True service requires time in a community with relationships built there. And, and I really do think, for the most part, that that is true. And um, the cause is really important to me. And it is an area in which there is so much hope just on the horizon as well. But if you're interested in advocacy, what can you expect that work to be like? I asked Max and Cole for their advice and insight into the sometimes tedious but rewarding work of advocacy. When you make contact with a representative, know that you're likely not actually going to have actual direct contact with the actual senator or legislator. You're going to be speaking to one of their representatives. You show up guns blazing with a doctor, a community member, a board member, and anybody else that may be able to bring something to the table with a story of why this is important to you and how it's going to make a big difference. You really just hit them over the head with this is a no-brainer. You have to understand that a lot of the no's you hear eventually turn into yeses. Be persistent. Because so few people are persistent in their hour of volunteering free time that they do every week. Um, that anyone who is will have a huge impact. It really is just going to the same Congress per person's door and, you know, knocking six times a week or, or, or sending them a message once every week for a year or, or um, setting up appointment after appointment. Like, it's not so much what you say in any given meeting all the time. Sometimes it really is just the, the persistence that someone is always talking about this issue. That's a theme that we see in advocacy. And it's also true in volunteer work. The most important people to make an event succeed are not 
the head head organizers. They're important because they galvanize the real champions of any event, which is the foot soldiers, the people who are knocking on the doors for donations, the people who are uh, running the registers uh, for for uh, a charity event, the people who uh, organize the venue, who are able to like talk to the people who run that venue and get it for free. Those those people who are carrying out the personal connections are so important to an organization. And it doesn't take hardly any expertise or experience to do that work. So anyone who thinks that they don't have something to offer a charity uh, time-wise, you do have something to offer. What these groups are really lacking is people willing to give time. And so time is more valuable than people think. Cole also wanted to leave a message, particularly for people interested in HD advocacy who, like him, do not have HD in their families and may in some ways be unable to truly understand the specific needs and experiences of those who do deal with HD among their close relatives and loved ones. Don't be so caught up with trying to say things. Don't be so caught up with trying to talk. I think that may have been my problem early on especially. If people need to hear from you, it'll be apparent. If, if, there's, if there's input you need to give, if there's someone steering off track or if there's something that might be going awry, I mean, it'll be clear to you that you need to talk. But nine times out of 10, just stay quiet and listen because these are somebody else's groups. They're other people's communities. And if you listen long enough, they'll be your communities too. But you got to listen. And I think that's really important for people getting involved in uh, not just advocacy, but general community building, uh, patient work. I mean, that, that's something you've got to learn. After hearing all that, are you interested in getting involved? Here's some tips from Cole. Almost every HDSA board I know about will accept people as obser observers uh, who will just come on the meeting and like watch what they do or are looking for people who are volunteers or are looking for people to run various events or things. So if any of this made you feel like, oh, I want to get involved in HDSA events, there's always a place for you. And you'll probably end up doing something that you don't think you would have been able to do beforehand. You might end up running something or organizing a committee or, uh, or actually doing things that impact quite a few people. So definitely get involved with HDSA. It's a fantastic organization. I've never regretted anything I've done with the HDSA. I'd like to thank Cole and Max for sharing their stories and their advice with the Hopes Podcast. Thank you for listening. If you're interested in getting involved, consider checking out your local HDSA chapter or other opportunities to support the HD community in your area. I'd also like to thank the Hopes Fund for supporting the podcast and Catherine Heaney and the Hopes team for their guidance. I've been Kat Ferguson. Thanks again for listening.